Hi, this is Katie Corcoran. Welcome to my podcast, Conscious Katie. Here I tell stories about how my personal health journey became a spiritual one, and the wild ride that comes with living consciously. Hello, welcome to the show. This is episode four. Today I'm going to talk about the great uncertainty that comes with being chronically ill and the importance of taking responsibility for your health, taking responsibility for your well-being and being your own advocate at a time when it's probably the hardest in your life to take a stand for yourself, but it's actually really critical. Navigating chronic illness is exhausting. It drains you emotionally, mentally, physically, spiritually. There is no roadmap. So it's up to you to assemble a team. It's up to you to first recognize that there's no one savior. There's no one answer. Generally, there's no one miracle drug or miracle procedure. There's no magic bullet. I can't look back and point and say, this is the one thing I did that cured me or healed me. It was a combination of a lot of things. And I know that every case is different. And for some people, having that surgery or having that treatment was the game changer. And there are absolutely game changer moments. And I'm going to tell you about one of mine today. They tend to come more, you know, the greater the advocate you are for yourself. So I'm not saying there aren't those moments and that there aren't those enormous leaps forward that really do put you on the right path. Those do happen and they do change the course of everything. But what I realized and I think what really helped was an acceptance and an understanding that I was quarterbacking this thing. I had to take responsibility for my health. It's not my doctor's job. My health is not their responsibility. It's my responsibility. And I seek their help, their assistance. And that's a really important thing to remember, too, in terms of advocating for yourself and handing over your power to people or institutions or you assume know better than you. You know, this person has a medical degree and I don't, so they must know. Yes, you are seeking the advice of people, but you have to trust yourself more than anybody else. You have to listen to your body, trust your body more than anything. Your body will tell you where to go next. It will tell you if it resonates with what you're doing or not. The mind can be easily fooled. The body cannot. So even when it comes to selecting the doctor and the treatment plans, getting recommendations from people and practitioners and ultimately having to make that call, you're the quarterback. That's a lot of responsibility at a time when you feel the worst and you don't feel necessarily equipped to make those really important decisions. You're being asked to make critical health decisions that significantly impact your life when you're impaired in some way, whether it be physically and or mentally. I don't believe in a one-size-fits-all approach. Everybody is different. Everybody is different. You took a different journey than the person next to you to get to where you are today. You may both have the same illness, but you took different paths to get there and you're going to take different paths to get out of there. To ignore that is to really 
ignore the entire reason you got to this point and the gift that's waiting for you, the gold that's waiting to be mined, if you're willing to recognize it. Yes, at its simplest, your journey is to go from being unwell to well. But that journey is so multifaceted. It's so multi-layered. That journey is meant to connect you to your own sovereignty, to connect you to your own wisdom that exists when you listen to your body. Your body has, quote, broken to get your attention. What's it trying to tell you? All of that is lost if you're unwilling to set out on this voyage and be the self-appointed captain. Knowing the ultimate destination, but knowing that you're going to have to make up a lot of this voyage as you go along. But knowing also that you can trust yourself to get what you needed in each particular moment. To trust yourself that you're going to be able to handle this. And it's a fine line because you may have a diminished capacity. You know, you may have brain fog. You may not have all your faculties because you're at your weakest right now. But that's why it's important to build a support team around you. What you can do is trust yourself to build that team. Family, friends, doctors, other people who have gone through similar things. Research you do on your own. Listening to different anecdotal evidence. Reading what you need to read. You're there to get the best advice possible. and to listen to the guidance of people that you trust and to make the best decision for you at that time. That's all you can do. And you trust that that's enough. And then you keep going. Next step, next step, next step. This journey is designed to build you up. It's broken you down. And the way out is to build yourself up by connecting to your core. It's why everything has been peeled back. Even though being chronically ill has no doubt complicated your life, it's also simplified your life because it's pulled away the other things that aren't critical right now. And it's forcing you to look at what's most important and what you really need to deal with right now. So let that be the main focus. Let it consume you, not in a way in which you feel totally swallowed by it and feel powerless against it and fall into victimhood, but in a way in which you say, okay, I surrender to this. Clearly, this is happening. And clearly my past attempts at stopping this or slowing this down have not worked. This is happening. Okay. Now where do I go from here? Let me start going down that path rather than wallowing in why is this happening? This sucks. I feel like shit. Instead, okay, this is happening. What do I do now? What's step one? And you take it one step at a time. And you resolve yourself to the fact that this is going to take however long this is going to take. I mean, I was definitely mourning the loss as time went by. And I really, really wanted things to change as quickly as possible. But at the same time, there really wasn't anything I could do about how long it was going to take. I had to really accept the fact that this was going to take however long it was going to take. I didn't know if the finish line was this year, this month, this week, this decade. I had no idea. I had to simply remain as present as possible in the moment and focus on what am I doing right now to address this. Yes, the emotions are going to come up and that's okay. I was angry. 
I was frustrated. I was sad. And I did ask myself those questions. Why is this happening? We don't know these answers. We don't understand why we find ourselves in this circumstance. So fear comes up in a big way because suddenly you're out of control. You had a controlled life. And now this thing that you can't control is running the show in your life. So it's a massive lesson in giving up control. You have no choice, really, but to surrender to it. But that, of course, is its own process. It it takes a minute to get to a place of acceptance of this is happening. There's nothing I can do in this moment. I am sick. I may not like it. I may not want to accept it, but it is the truth. In this moment, I am sick. And as such, I can't do what I want to do. My life is different than I want it to be. I don't feel the way I want to feel. I don't look the way I want to look. I can't function the way I want to. I can't be who I want to be. So you do go through the stages of grieving because you're letting go of what you thought was going to be. And part of that includes acceptance of this is how it is, at least right now. And with the acceptance comes a a little less uncertainty because now you can at least say, I'm certain that this is happening. And what I'm certain of now is I don't know anything else, right? I'm accepting that this is my new reality. And it means you're embracing the fact that you are on this unexpected ride. I also then started to realize my body is me. My body isn't the enemy. Why am I fighting it? Why would I fight myself? And that's when you step out of victimhood and take a warrior stance and start taking a stand for yourself and do what needs to be done for yourself because you value yourself and you're taking responsibility for yourself. Not because you believe there are these outside forces that are more powerful than you that have struck you down and there's nothing you can do. That's the difference between a victim and a warrior. It's to you to now sort of go on a fact-finding mission. You don't understand why you're sick. You don't understand how you're sick and you don't understand how you're going to get better. You may think you do. You may have a plan in place and you may be executing on that plan. But undoubtedly, there are going to be curveballs. You're going to have to adjust your plan. So as much as you're trying to get control around it, so, okay, I've gotten sick. You may or may not even have a diagnosis. I didn't have a Lyme diagnosis for years. Before that, I had a chronic fatigue syndrome diagnosis. Before that, I didn't have any diagnosis. I was just getting sick with different things. In reality, I had been bit by a tick when I was young, very young. I had the bullseye on my leg. We went straight to the doctor. They gave me antibiotics. A couple weeks later, took my blood. Okay, you're clean. Nobody made the correlation as the years went on, and I kept getting sicker. Nobody made the connection of, hey, maybe what's making me sick with all these different things, and maybe what's presenting with all these different symptoms that come and go, but that are getting more and more severe and lasting longer and longer every time. Maybe it's still in me. Nobody made that correlation for over 10 years. And so during all those years, it was always like, huh, wonder what's going on. Why is, what's happening here? But it was constantly just, let's fix this immediate problem in front of us. You have these symptoms. Let's try and fix those. Nobody zoomed out. They had my full medical chart in front of them. Full picture my life. Every illness I'd had, every diagnosis, every medication I'd been given. Nobody looked at it as a full landscape. 
and pieced it together is the full puzzle that it was. And that happens all the time with people. Things aren't happening in isolation. And the more we start to understand that as individuals, and the more we start to take responsibility for our own well-being, that's when you start to really become your own advocate. And that's when you start to make the mind-body-spirit connection because you're understanding that your body is constantly sending you messages, constantly. The different symptoms that are popping up are trying to tell you something. They're like flashing warning lights saying, hey, there's an issue here. And so often our reaction is, how inconvenient is this? And I can't believe that my body can't handle this. And what is wrong with me that this keeps happening? And why do I have a weak liver? Or why do I have a weak immune system? Or why does this weakness in me, like everybody else seems to be able to handle it? Why is this happening to me and not at somebody else? That's our reaction. It's, it's almost antagonistic towards our bodies. It's why are you failing me? That's certainly the way I, I felt. I felt as a kid, it was unfair. Did I have a weaker body than the other kids? What was the missing part or the, the malfunctioning part in me that the other kids weren't experiencing? And why couldn't anybody else find it and just fix it? Put me in the auto body shop, do a tune-up, fix whatever you need to fix, and send me back out into the world. I lacked at that point the understanding, the awareness that my body was doing this for me. It was trying to communicate with me. I'm saying, hey, there's an issue here, but if you're able to work with me on this and look at what's causing this, then we can go deeper and find the root cause of what's ailing you. And when you do that, you'll be better off. You'll be stronger. This will actually be a gift. As I was getting older and sicker and nobody seemed to have a clue really what was going on, it naturally fell to me to figure out how to get myself out of this, figure out what was wrong so that I could fix it once and for all. So I dove in, start reading, start talking to people. You start hearing other people's stories and you start asking questions of yourself, of your doctors, and of the system. In my 20s, I was now working, but I had reached another sort of speed bump where I found myself having to go to my car at lunch and I would just lay down in the back seat of my car because I needed to rest. Couldn't stay at my desk. And then it got to be okay, I need to, like to go do that even for just five minutes at some point during the day. And I mean, I'm in my early twenties, right? I'm seemingly a young, vibrant, quote, healthy woman. This is not normal. So what's wrong with me? I was seeing different doctors, different practitioners. I remember at one point on the weekends, I would drive myself to a doctor's office and get some sort of vitamin IV for a number of hours every Saturday morning. And these things were helping a bit in terms of keeping me going. But at that point, I was still searching for the root cause rather than just treating the symptoms. My parents and my sister were very much on this journey with me. They too were on the lookout for new options, keeping an eye and an ear out for new people to talk to, new treatments, new possibilities, just 
different solutions. My father spoke to one of our neighbors, who at the time was probably at 80. And we had known that he had been sick and he was healthy now. And in talking to him, we learned that he had cured himself of cancer and he did it without chemotherapy or radiation. He did it with a lot of juicing. He did it with a lot of natural support. He was very mindful of what he put in his body. And each time he talked to him, he was learning more and more. And this guy ran a cancer support group and he had written a lot about treating yourself for arthritis. And so my dad told him about me. And he recommended that I see a doctor about an hour or so away and made an appointment. My mom would drive me there after work because I did not have the energy to be able to work and then drive down about an hour, have the appointment, drive up another hour. Like that just was not something I could do. And this guy ran different tests and, you know, I watched his videos and I read his pamphlets and listened to him. And it certainly seemed as though he was pretty open-minded and aware that there were a lot of explanations for a lot of things and that chronic fatigue syndrome was caused by perhaps a number of different things and there were root issues to get to. But soon it became apparent to me that this guy wasn't really finding those root issues. He had raised to his credit like, hey, it could be Lyme. Because he'd seen in my history and I told him that I had been bit by a tick and I had a bullseye when I was younger. But his tests were showing no evidence of, of that. And I remember sitting in the examination room and the results of from tests had come back and he wasn't really finding anything. And it felt to me as if I was almost getting blown off. You know, I'd, I'd seen this movie, I'd lived this movie before where you come in, you give them the your history, you give the litany of symptoms. Um, some are more open and understanding than others. And they recommend, okay, let's run these tests, try these different things. I've had great success with this, or we'll take a look at this, blah, blah, blah. And you go through, you jump through all the hoops because what else can you do? And then you kind of reach a point with that where they're like, you know, I don't, I don't see anything. <laughs> it's like, Clearly, there's something here. It's not normal for me to need to lie down in the back seat of my car at 2.30 on a Wednesday because I'm so taxed from sitting at my desk. That's not normal. That's not an acceptable life for myself. And though they might agree with that, they don't know what to tell you. It's like, well, you have chronic fatigue syndrome. It's almost as if they're telling you, like, you're just going to have to live with it. And that was not acceptable to me, ever. It was never acceptable to me that I had a condition that I was just going to have to live with. To me, that was such a cop-out. I firmly believed, I knew that there's always a solution. There's always an answer. I refuse to believe that there are incurable things. I'm not saying it's going to be easy. I'm not saying I'm some genius that can cure all the things out there and that I know how to do it. I'm just saying I believe that it can be done. And so taking my own journey, I said to him, you're missing something. And he wrapped up the appointment and I had just hit a point where this wasn't going to be another dead end. And so as he walked to essentially like the checkout area, you know, the window where I was going to either have to pay or make another appointment or whatever it was, he's back there with the nurses or whoever's working in the office. And I'm standing at that window, the front of the waiting room, and I'm 
continuing our conversation. I wasn't done. And I'm saying to him again, you're missing something. I said, test me again. Test me again for Lyme. And maybe, I, I can't tell you why I said that. It might have been that between him bringing the Lyme back up and the different things that I had heard and maybe that had kind of allowed me to hear what I didn't know was my intuition. I'd kind of, for whatever reason, honed in on that, that that was like a real possibility. That could be it. And he refused. So I get my stuff. My, my mom and I start to walk out of the office and we're walking in the parking lot to our car. And I mean, I've told this story so many times and I, it's still one of just those like, you know, kind of unbelievable brings a smile to my face moments. We're walking to our car and seemingly out of nowhere, this woman appears. We didn't hear her approaching. We didn't see her in the parking lot when we were walking out there. She's just suddenly in front of us. And she says, I heard what you were saying back in the office there. You're not wrong. And I, I tell you right now, as I'm saying these words, I'm getting goosebumps all over my body. It was a magical moment. It was a turning point. It was one of those moments. It changed everything. And now looking back on it, knowing everything that it launched, it was an extraordinary moment. And also to just hear the words, you're not wrong. I think that's so important for so many patients to hear sometimes because you go on this journey when you are forced to advocate for yourself. And there are plenty of times that you get shut down. There are plenty of times you get told you're wrong, you're crazy. The evidence doesn't support this. That's not the way we do things. The science says this. Like, like you're just told for whatever reason, no. And yet you feel differently. You know differently. This is, again is where the body-mind-spirit connection comes in. It's where your intuition is speaking to you through your body. You know. You know there's something wrong. And just because somebody with a medical degree is telling you you're wrong, or even if they say, I believe you, but I, I don't find anything, there's not much else that most would do. In those instances, it's like you're just kind of left to your own devices of like, sorry, good luck. And so it's in those moments where it's to you to fight for yourself, to take a stand for yourself, to advocate for yourself and stand up and say, there's an issue here and it needs to be dealt with. And I'm willing to do whatever it takes, but I need your help. And that's where I was in that moment. And then this woman appeared and told me, you're not wrong. And it was like, wow. And then she held out this business card and she said, go see this woman. She works with people like you. She's not a doctor, but she's done training in this area and she might be able to help you. And so I called the number on that business card and I spoke with the woman and she told me you know, she practiced out of her home, out of the basement, her house. And so my mom and I went there and we showed up to this lady's house in the middle of Jersey. You know, I was willing to do it. I was willing to take that leap of faith and give it a try. And she handed me this seemingly this metal rod to hold while she was testing things with using my other hand. And I came to learn that she was bioenergetically testing me. And 
using that technique, she diagnosed me with Lyme disease because that machine was able to t detect the Lyme as well as other co-infections energetically in the body. It wasn't going simply based on what was in my bloodstream because what had happened is all the way back to when I had gone to the pediatrician after I'd been bitten by the tick, the standard protocol is, okay, we'll get you some antibiotics, come back in a couple of weeks and we'll test your blood. And so you take those antibiotics and if you did have anything in your bloodstream, the antibiotics drive those infections deep into your tissues. And so then when you get your blood drawn, your blood doesn't show any evidence of it. It's now moved deep into the tissues. And that's what happened to me. So those infections continued to live in me for years. And they were the cause of so many of my symptoms over the years. All the ailments that were diagnosed independently rather than collectively. And so being referred to this woman and working with her gave me that diagnosis and it set me on a journey of she treated me with a lot of homeopathic treatments and different supplements. I don't recall exactly how long I worked with her, but it was probably a couple of years. And she really took my journey to the next level in terms of understanding the mind-body-spirit connection, understanding the importance of detoxing while you're taking these things and everything you're putting into your body and just understanding that everything is energy and that's a real thing to be taken seriously, that you can detect things energetically. And it was such a wake-up call of how the medical system had missed this for so many years. And I want to be clear throughout, you know, all this episode, I've talked a lot about how things were missed by doctors and how sometimes I wasn't believed by doctors or Maybe I felt blown off by doctors. I want to acknowledge that there are plenty of them out there that really do try to do the right thing by their patients. The point of me telling this story is to simply point out that all of us can have blind spots and we can be so heavily conditioned in terms of what we learn and what we do and what we're taught is important and not important and right and wrong that sometimes that can cause us to turn a blind eye to the truth, to other things that would be helpful, to listening to people, to entertaining alternative ways of thinking and doing because of what we're seeing with new patients and new ailments all the time. More and more people are waking up to alternatives because that's all that they have found works for them. And so it is providing an awakening in some cases in the medical community, to, hey, let me take a look at this. So this isn't an indictment on anyone by any stretch. You know, no harm was intended. I believe that the people that I saw early on that weren't able to make the diagnosis were trying their best based on what they knew, based on what they knew to be correct and what they had been taught. Doctors know a lot and they know a lot more than probably I ever will. And I, I respect that. What I'm trying to shed light on here is the potential shortcomings in the system. When you look at the system at large in terms of what people who are brought through the system are taught and what we as the public are taught, what we are fed, what we are told 
how we live our lives collectively as a society. What we're told by all the authorities and systems is that actually for our own good, is that for our highest good, who is being served by how the system is set up today? Is it something worth re-examining? I know what's best for me in any situation. And it is important to me to always retain the power to do what I need to do in any situation for my own health and well-being. It is important for me to keep those liberties. And it's important for me to remember that my health is my responsibility and not to rely on any other person or any other entity for my well-being. And also to not let any other entity tell me what it thinks is best for me. And I still value the medical community. And certainly in an emergency situation, there's great value. And I have since found doctors who are very open, whether it be because of their own journeys or not, they see much more of what's going on and they're here to help. And I'm very grateful for that. And not just doctors, but nurses and other practitioners like this lady, you know, she didn't go to medical school, but she has changed lives, including my own. And when, after working with her, I had improved, but I clearly was still not well, she said to me, I've taken you as far as I can take you. And I really respected that. And she said, here's what I recommend. And she recommended much more intense treatment for me. And she recommended three different locations. And that's probably another episode for another time. But that led me to taking a sabbatical from work and diving into that intense treatment. And ultimately, that along, again, with other complementary treatments and working with other people collectively did get me well. And so it really did take a village. And I'm so grateful for everybody's support. And everybody taught me something, you know. Even the doctors, I deemed them, quote, dead ends. I learned something. And it led to the next thing. And you just keep going and following your heart, your gut, your intuition, listening to people, listening to yourself. You are the quarterback, but you have a team of people along with you. You're never, ever alone. And if you feel alone, you reach out because there are always people willing to help. You have to have extraordinary will. You have to rise up in a way that probably you never have before. At a time when you're at your weakest, you have to be your strongest. You have to summon everything in you because you're in the fight of your life. Even if it's not life-threatening, you are in the fight of your life. That's how I looked at my situation. I didn't have a life-threatening condition, but it was threatening the life that I envisioned for myself. And so that demanded me getting better. So there was a knowing in me that I will be well. I will be healthy. I don't know how. I don't know when, what, where, why. I didn't know the answers to any of those questions. All I knew was, I'm getting to the other side. I don't care how fucking long it takes. You were in the fight of your life. This is a battle. It is a test of your will. And quite honestly, I believe that's the point of this whole thing. When you understand the mind-body-spirit connection, you understand that nothing happens by chance. There's no such thing as, oh, bad luck, I got the shit end of the stick. When you move past those stories, and you decide to take a a stand for yourself, that's the growth. That's the spiritual growth that's happening. 
that's connecting you to a self-love that maybe didn't exist before or somehow was dormant. That's you saying, I will not abandon myself. I will fight for me. Because at the end of the day, nobody's going to fight for you like you're going to fight for you. It is absolutely imperative that you understand that there is no such thing as a hopeless situation. You must carry the torch. When the situation looks hopeless, you must be your own beacon of light. And that's not to say that you can't have your low moments. Everybody does. That's when you engage your support team. It's when you're honest with those around you. When people ask you how you are, you don't just say fine. You tell them what's happening. You ask for what you need. You get the support, whatever kind of support it is, emotional, physical, whatever. You get what you need. And that's how you get to the other side. You have to believe even if nobody else believes. That is your choice on this journey. What are you going to accept? What kind of life are you going to create? What are you going to just accept and tolerate? Or what are you going to ascend to? What is your standard for yourself? Is it just management for the rest of your life? Is it just, well, this is what I'm told, so you know, this is the best it can get? Or are you going to step out and seek the extraordinary? Seek what's really possible. Can you connect to that fire in you that says, fuck no, I'm going to fight. I urge you to fight. And if you're not there, you're not there. And you don't judge. You just accept that that's where you are right now. Everybody has to make their own decision. And that's something really important to keep in mind, too, for those who are part of the support team, those who are the people around the chronically ill, the loved ones, the friends. They have to ultimately accept wherever their loved one is on their journey. You can't help them until they want to help themselves, until they're committed. It's really true of all of us in all situations. They have to want to get there themselves. And that's when you can help them. You can guide them and nudge them in a certain direction and try to open their eyes to other options, other alternatives. But they have to be open to it. And they have to really want it. If they don't want it, they're not going to see it through to the end. And that's a really hard pill to swallow. It can be really hard to watch someone who's in decline or who's really struggling or suffering. But everybody, including you, including them, has their own journey. And everybody has their own sovereignty. In the end, whether you're the patient or part of the support team, it's about personal responsibility and not letting fear take the wheel and win. We live in a world that's full of fear. And when you get sick, fear undoubtedly will creep in. You're losing control in some way. That is inherently scary. And so you're being called to go inside yourself and find your inner strength and recognize that nothing is bigger than you. Don't let the fear of what you think is the truth about whatever illness you have and what the implications are of that and what is generally understood in society as this is what this diagnosis means and these are your only options. You decide your journey. You decide whether it's going to be full of fear or full of heart. Don't let anybody or anything fill you with fear. This journey, if you let it, will help you recognize just how incredibly strong you are and ultimately why there isn't anything to fear. Thank you so much for listening. I'll talk to you soon.